Have you ever watched the very popular like Korean mukbang videos or the two-day eating videos or the uh, what I eat in a day videos on social media platforms like YouTube and TikTok? It really depends because you see there's the internet's a large place. There's a large, you know, consumer, you know, pop population. And, you know, there's videos where people are doing stuff, you know, like mukbang or whatever, you know, just eating whatever, just gouging them. But, you know, it's like, there's people who enjoy that and they may not have those issues. So while there may mm -hmm. be some triggers there where there's people who've had eating disorders and are trying not to, just based on a personal liberties point of view, I think all you can really do is say, well, whatever. And you just don't click on videos like that. If you have an issue with that, just because someone does have an issue with it doesn't mean, you know, other people have to, you know, you know, accommodate that because there's so many different possible, you know, issues. While this may just be food related, if you accommodate that, then you also have to start taking in. There's other people saying, oh, well, you should accommodate us and not be posting stuff like that. And I just mm -hmm. think, you know, really, if you have an issue with something, whether it's food or not, you just have to recognize that and just choose to not watch things that, you know, have triggers for you. Yes, I have seen them, a lot of them on YouTube, they're often suggested to me. And then um, mm -hmm. recently I actually watched this like one hour long YouTube documentary about them as well. Um, oh, kind of just analyzing the trend a bit. So I, I wouldn't say I'm like a huge fan. I don't go out of my way to watch them, but I'm definitely very aware of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan. I know it's oh, problematic, really? <laughs> but I just can't help it. I don't know why, but most of my Instagram uh, discover section mm -hmm. is just like a bunch of dieting content. Um, Me too. Yeah, and I just don't know why, because I've never like gone out of my way to really diet <laughs> in recent times. But yeah, no, a lot of it is just that too. It's like kind of like a very odd general history of a certain food mm -hmm. like quinoa like we were talking about and it like it promotes its benefits but it never I don't know and it mentions I guess where it's from but I guess mm -hmm. the fact well I guess we we're just talking about that it's like the fact that it's from this place for some reason makes it yeah yeah, yeah I watched a few of those on YouTube especially I find that um you know I don't know like there there are those like YouTube like shorts now mm -hmm. I don't know if you know about yeah it's basically like it's basically YouTube doing TikTok that's kind of what it is um and there's I don't know the algorithm always ends up suggesting a lot of like kind of like food or like food vlogging related stuff mm -hmm. um I also like watch I've I don't know it's been a few years now since I've started watching like ASMR and stuff like that but like that's also like very like kind of like mukbang adjacent you know, because mm -hmm. it's very, like, I don't know, very specific kind of like tailored content where someone's doing like a very specific kind of like action, right? It's not like, yeah. this is weird kind of um, thing where it's not really a vlog, it's not really like a narrative <laughs> kind of video or anything. You're, you're really just sitting there just watching someone do something very, very mundane. Yeah, I definitely, um, I'm subscribed to a bunch of channels actually um, of like mukbangers, but also just like health and like wellness gurus. I say that in quotation marks because it's kind of questionable. Um, mm. Also just people, like I really enjoy watching people eat. 
And so uh, even my TikTok algorithm, like my For You page is kind of filled with like this type of content, just like people consuming different types of foods. I also really love like watching like videos from snacks around the world, like people trying snacks from around the world. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would say that I consume this type of content like pretty, like daily, like pretty frequently. <laughs> yeah, me too. No. <laughs> Could you expand on the snack from different culture? Like, yeah, so, yeah, I've watched um specifically, I've been watching her for years. It's um this YouTuber called Emmy Made in Japan, and she's Japanese. Mm -hmm. And essentially her YouTube channel, now it's a it evolved a bit and it's not so much this anymore, but it, it, it essentially revolves around like her getting sent packages from people around the world oh. and them describing the snacks that they like they that they sent to her and her trying it, but not in a way of saying like it wasn't very um. It was less so like, this is good, this is bad. I don't like this. It was much more like a description of the food, like the texture, uh, mm. what it would pair well with, like if she'd tried something similar from another region. So it was very descriptive, I would say. And she, um, yeah, I just, I really like watching her. Like that would be my, I guess my main source of that kind of video, like her, she comes to mind, I mean, made in Japan. Hmm, that's very interesting. I gotta check it out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is very yeah. interesting, yeah. yeah and that so, was more uh, so just because, yeah. like, I really enjoy trying different cuisines. Like, I would say that I'm a foodie at heart, and, like, uh -huh. I, I enjoy trying different cuisines. And, like, sometimes it's not always, like, these snacks aren't always readily available. And so, like, because, as I was just saying, like, my prior history with my eating disorder, I'd watch these types of videos and kind of feel like I was consuming the food through them. Watching her eat these 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 different types of foods from different regions it almost felt like I was eating there or like I was in those regions like I don't know it kind of like took me on this like culinary journey so in terms of like superfoods what's your opinion on like the craze over like avocado or quinoa or like that sort well, of stuff like I said um they they there is like a basis for that craze, you know, because it does start out from, you know, some truth, it being just that, you know, they, these superfoods do, they are healthy, and they do have good vitamins, nutrients in it. But the craze is just ridiculous, because, you know, mm -hmm. almost everybody is already decently healthy, you know, like, you have to realize the human body is um very, very well functioning. There's people who eat like just candy and chips, energy drinks, you know, college kids, you know, just ramen noodles and, you know, they're doing fine. Um, mm -hmm. I just think the craze of making these diets and putting in these superfoods, you know, having a healthier diet helps, but you know, it isn't everything. It isn't as important as people are making it unless, unless your body is failing in some aspect that you need to accommodate it through certain foods, unless you're just, you know, if you're, trying to lose weight you're overweight stuff like that or you just have some sort of dietary need you don't need to be including all these superfoods you're just wasting your money on avocados avocados are pretty expensive mm -hmm. yeah and, you know too much of one thing can be a too much of a good thing can be a bad thing you know avocados if i remember correctly are pretty fatty <laughs> so you eat too much you know exactly yeah they're pretty fatty and also like the overconsumption of avocado just like results in a bunch of problems like the environment in Mexico or like Peru and also the quinoa like the over plantation of quinoa has like 
resulted in a bunch of like environmentalism concerns. Yeah. Not just environmentalism, you know, actually um, avocados, if you haven't heard, um, in, Me in lots of parts of Mexico are known as green gold because cartels um, actually, you know, mm -hmm. they like rule over avocado farmers and make them give them a cut of their avocado sales because so many people are consuming it, partially because of this craze that started, you know, Californians, Californians love their avocados. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's just not saying that going over a craze on one food is going to cause, you know, cartel gang wars, but, you know, it just mm -hmm. goes to show how you know, everyone's just putting their money into a craze that for the most part really isn't going to change their lives, you know, just all kinds of stuff happens. Like you said, the environmentalism over, you know, plantations and like I said, just political and gang disputes. Oh, I'll be completely honest. Like for me, like my relationship was like, like I, I can just kind of like go off, right? I can just like say whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. sure. So I don't have like, or at least, especially when I was younger, I didn't have like a great relationship with food because I was like a really fat kid, right? So I I never experienced. Also, I th I think it's a cultural thing because I think over here the idea, like especially North American stuff, the idea of like having dinner with the family. Um, at, mm -hmm. you know same time same you know it's a very it's more important that's what it feels like to me um whereas back in hong kong or even japan it wasn't like such a big deal right so um basically i i never got around to the idea of like being super comfortable having like dinner with family and that that's like a you know like to me that's not comforting that's not very like reassuring that's not very like you know, I don't really have great associations with that personally. So a lot of the time, what uh, what did happen was because, you know, I was insecure about my weight and, um, you know, I wasn't like getting like, you know, family stuff wasn't always going super well. And my parents were working odd hours because they both work for airlines. Right. So a lot of the time I was just kind of alone and I was eating and it was either the tv or as i got older it was the internet right it was like okay. youtube or something and then you know eventually somewhere down the line yeah it ended up crossing over into like you know just like food related video content you know or just like um, you know you start forming these kind of like parasocial kind of relationships or something or um you know it so instead of like actually sitting down and having a meal with like a person, like a friend or a family, you know, when I was a kid and I had all these things going on, it was really, yeah, it was a lot of like media. It was like watching TV shows or it was watching, you know, these vlogs or something like that. So I don't know that it like, I don't know that for me personally, it's like a trigger. It might be uh, like a trigger necessarily, but I can definitely see how like, you know, when you when you look at like my specific kind of like life story like that when it comes to mm -hmm. like like food and it's very easy to imagine okay well there's a lot of people with different degrees of eating and different kinds of eating disorders out there and mm -hmm. i can imagine that like for some people this is just very harmless content right? it's just like you know look at all these different cultures and then for some people it's just like you know very very hard to watch so yeah I, I think it can be triggering i don't i don't think it would necessarily start like you know 
developing eating disorders for people like i don't think it would yeah i don't think it would start them but i think it can definitely trigger like a certain kind of like relapse or like a you know yeah i mean as i've suffered from an eating disorder and from for someone like me um watching this i could definitely say that it's triggering like i've i've come i'm over that now period of my life like i've i've conquered that and i'm no longer at the same place that i was like two years ago at like i guess like the prime of my eating disorder but even still now like watching these videos i would say that like i kind of compare my own diet and my own food choices to the people that i'm uh i'm watching like for example like okay we were talking about linda sun before this youtuber and like she always eats like popcorners and like mm -hmm. i have those same popcorners and then like i kind of <laughs> i kind of like I don't know, like judge myself. I'm like, oh, like she's eating this many. Like, does that mean that like I should be eating that much or like, should I not eat enough? Am I not eating enough? Am I eating too much of these? Um, and then I also like watch like cheat day videos. Mm -hmm. And for a long time during my eating disorder, like I would watch those instead of eating. Like that would be like, uh, I don't know, like instead of eating myself, I would watch someone eat and that would give me pleasure. And it would almost be as though like I was consuming the food, like they were consuming it for me actually. So mm -hmm. it was a very like toxic relationship with these, with these videos, like, because it would fuel my eating disorder. Um, but on the other hand, a large portion of my recovery was due to the fact that I started watching people recovering from eating disorders on uh, YouTube, like they would make videos. I still follow some of them. They would make videos like kind of, um, documenting the process of, uh, like their day to day, like, okay, so I'm eating breakfast now, even though, and like, kind of like their thought process too, they would be very honest and open and vulnerable in these videos, kind of just like explaining like how they're feeling when they're eating it. And like also provide words of encouragement because they knew that their audience were probably people kind of in the same boat as them. I think it's um, pretty interesting to say, Lily, I don't know, it, it, it is kind of a bit of a mindfuck because you think about so much of, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very hard to pin down, you know, like, like, for example, the place I work at now, like under special menu, they have this like uh, crab poutine. It's like a soft shell <laughs> crab poutine. <laughs> You know, and it looks, I've never had it, but I've like, I know it's good. Like, I know it looks good. Mm -hmm. it is, I'm sure it tastes good, but it's just weird to think about because like, you know, I don't know. I, I guess like the big balancing act is like all about like authenticity versus like, you know, yeah. um, you know, cause, cause the thing about any of these like food trends, like for example, like edamame being like $6 for one little bowl is like, no, exactly. It it is healthy. It, it's good for you, and you should, you know, and you should be, eat, you know, you should be eating something like that, you know, every every day as part of your diet, you know, like, like. But it's it's the sort of, and I don't know if there's a way around it, um, but but I guess it's sort of this, you know, very, like middle brow kind of exoticism, basically, right? Like you know, like yeah. even the fact that ramen is such an expensive kind of mm -hmm. like ooh kind of thing here you know in japan it's fast food like you just eat that for lunch and then you go back to work and it shouldn't be more than like you know i don't know like ramen here costs like what 16 15 16 dollars it would yeah, be like half the price ridiculous yeah you know um 
I don't know. Um, um, well, we were speaking about this a bit, like, and I, I'm just, I guess, like, bouncing off your point of, like, uh, like edamame and how that's like so much more pricey over here than it is in like mm -hmm. Asian countries. And like, I brought up the example of like Emily Mariko and now like there's a huge craze about like salmon and rice and nori and like, that's so native to like Japanese culture. Like that's so, you know, and how that's become like a huge, I, I, it just blow, blew up in North America because of mm -hmm. her. And like, I think she's half Japanese, but like, it's just interesting how these things again, like, get appropriated I don't know I, like hmm yeah I don't know I just I just think it's interesting how these things get appropriated and kind of become disconnected from their roots mm -hmm. how these are used and marketed as like like you said like I don't know the exact term but like superfoods or like healthy or or I don't know they're marketed as kind of like exotic in a way as well yeah like, uh, thinking about like when you go to the supermarket and like you you're in like the ethnic aisle right <laughs> and like how like so, like that's always really like weirded me out in a way like kind of like mm -hmm. put me off like how and also how it's so like I guess like condensed like there's like I don't know like two rows of India and then there's like three rows of China and then there's like two rows of like Jamaica like it's just very strange and they're all packed and like they're not really I don't know like given the space like I, I it's I don't know I find it it's a bit problematic it's always made me feel a bit like icky I don't know like I've seen kind of like both sides of it because I also see what like um so like for for here it's like okay let's say Canadians and Americans make a big deal out of ramen but it's also kind of the same like in Japan too, because like Japan has its own kind of like they've done their own kind of spaghetti. They have like you know mm -hmm. their own kind of pasta that I'm sure a lot of Italians would be like, oh, you know, that's that's not the way you do it. <laughs> um, so I think on a fundamental level, there's like you know that's like it, that's like okay. You can't. I don't think you should like you know be super uh, strict about you know what cultures can do what kind of cuisine or or like where you can do that kind of cuisine because i you know i don't i don't think that's really the problem mm -hmm. um i don't know it, it just feels like a restaurant and it doesn't feel like anything that's trying to brand itself or trying to um come off as authentic or like it's not tacky with it's like you know because i think a big part of that orientalism or exoticism thing happens when the owners like play into it uh too much like they're doing it kind of you know if mm -hmm. in terms of decor in terms of what the wait staff wears in terms of even what you serve on the menu like are, like are you catering towards that perception you know of your restaurant or your cuisine as oh you know if it's a lebanese restaurant you'll just know that it's these three things or if it's a japanese place you'll just know it's this you know it's these three things right like, you know what i mean like um I don't know. I, I feel like any place that is really authentic shouldn't even have that word anywhere on the menu or in the restaurant, right? It should just be people from that culture or whatever making that food, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, so I think a big part of the sort of Orientalism, exoticism, any of that, a lot of that just comes down to like, you know, um, 
from the marketing strategy i guess maybe? so i guess so yeah or like or like how much you want to play into that like uh cultural perception i guess like how much you want to mm -hmm. make that image for yourself yeah that kind of branding i think a lot because if you think about it a lot of cuisine is already fusion cuisine like if you yeah. actually think about the history of you know like let's say french creole cooking or like you know or like you know or even or even the fact that ramen is actually from china like that's where like i think the first right yeah exactly so you know but we don't call that fusion right we just call that part of the history of the cuisine mm -hmm. and then suddenly you know um you get these i yeah i don't know fusion cuisine is a weird one to me because when i hear it it just sounds like okay you're saying that there are two culinary traditions that are already firmly defined and then you're just gonna like mix and match or like put them together like pieces of lego which doesn't mm -hmm. really make sense to me um so so i think in a way it is reflective of multiculturalism but and you know obviously i'm no expert but it might also reflect very loosely at least some kind of like cultural i don't know if hegemony is the word but but you know the way i'm thinking about it is okay a lot of this fusion cuisine stuff that i hear about it tends to mm -hmm. be these like michelin star people or very famous or like already successful kind of people doing it right like i don't i don't hear a lot about like you know a uh you know fresh off the boat immigrant family coming to canada just to start like a fusion restaurant no like if they were going to start a restaurant it's going to be food from where they came from where they came from the way they know yeah so, i don't know the, the fusion stuff i mean uh, it's not like i've been i don't even have i you know i don't think i've been to a fusion place before but just from the outside looking at it from the outside it, it seems a bit like like fancy bougie yeah 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 <laughs> pretentious i'm like i'm kind of suspicious of it um mm -hmm. like you know i'm i'm open to it but it's just like it is it is an interesting way of thinking about you know um kind of like culinary exchange i guess you know exactly. like i'm suspicious i'm suspicious i'm open to it but i am still a little suspicious and skeptical mm -hmm. yeah so i was thinking like this like certain like craze over certain food can also be related to the idea of like capitalism and maybe colonialism in a way so yeah um through the use of capitalism, colonialism, um, just globalization in general, you know, mm -hmm. many different cultures and countries started connecting to each other, you know, and people make crazes over stuff like quinoa, I'm pretty sure isn't, you know, native to America or Europe, especially, right? But, you know, when trade routes open up, you know, there's money to be made, new exotic foods come in, those exotic foods start getting liked by everyone and those exotic foods turn out to not be so exotic once they're being planted everywhere and they're not so rare anymore because everyone wants it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Since you mentioned like erotic foods, I was wondering, like, if you can talk about like the craze over like edamame and maybe like Japanese cuisine, like in North America. I think it's very interesting because like I moved here and then I realized like edamame is so pricey in North America and also like Japanese cuisine is surprisingly expensive in terms of like sushi and like um the other like tuna or something like that yeah well um edamame i'm not the biggest fan of it but you know foods like that just they 
they kind of came over time, you know, like Japanese cuisine was not very popular here, not all too long ago, you know, like mm -hmm. you go back to like 1940s, you know, World War II, America and Japan aren't, you know, tied as friends no more, you know, you know, Japanese food or people, in fact, they weren't so well liked in America, you know, and I'm just talking about America and California, because that's where I'm from and the experience that I have, but, you know, mm -hmm. over time, once, you know, relations deepened, you know, it also goes back to like capitalism because after the war, America and Japan became very big trade partners, you know, and, you know, just exactly. that cultural influence happens, you know, food comes over, immigrants come, they start cooking, showing it, or, you know, people go out to Japan, they steal recipes, come back, sushi, you know, it's mm -hmm. not everyone's taste. I've actually met a lot of people who do not like sushi because they just refuse oh. to eat raw fish, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, people find these foods and, you know, part of it might just be that, oh, it's Japanese. That's cool. You know, I'm not Japanese and I'm able to eat a food from somewhere that's, you know, like four or 5,000 miles away. <laughs> you know, it can be just kind of a cool experience. And, you know, food I found, no matter where it's from, it, it's for the most part pretty good. There's lots of good foods from just every country, you know, and Japanese cuisine just happened to have that capitalistic push to just push out as many restaurants as they could as compared to other ethnic foods you know you know Chinese and Japanese food stuff like that had a big push and just because of that there's a craze with those foods just because it just so happens you know like Japanese and Chinese people just happen to you know try and market their food more than other countries whether it be just because there was more immigrants that from that country that came to America mm -hmm. Or if there just happen to be more people interested in cooking from those cultures, you know, like it's all kinds of different foods, you know, there's like Mongolian, there's, you know, Thai, all that stuff. There's Indian, mm -hmm. Greek, and, you know, not as many people eat that just because there's not as many of those restaurants that have been pushed open. And that's really the only reason is because Japanese and Chinese cuisine just pushed harder in the early stage to outcompete, you know, ethnic foreign food markets. Um, well, I've, I was vegetarian for a while. I've never been vegan, but I worked at like, um, for, I did a gap year in between undergrad and grad school. And I worked at this health food restaurant. So I was mm -hmm. always working with these superfoods and it was just kind of odd. Cause there was just, yeah, there was like a lot of emphasis kind of put on these foods. And it was really kind of like, you know, like the avocado, the quinoa, mm -hmm. um, all this. But I found it interesting, too, because I don't know. I know you're talking about like ethnic foods as well, how I guess they would um, the owner would take certain superfoods from like a very general area and then be like oh yeah this is the asian superfood salad and this is like yeah central america so it was really like i don't know it's kind of like it's odd because it's like kind of promoting these superfoods through kind of like this exotic like making them more exotic but then also they're very just North American at the same time, the way they're presented. So I just thought that was always kind of interesting, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I totally agree, especially thinking about like edamame. Cause like, mm -hmm. I feel like certain Japanese, like healthy or wellness, like foods that got so popular among all the vegans or like vegetarians, 
is partly also like connected with the idea of orientalism because like mm-hmm. uh, oh this food like how these people like promote certain like ethnic foods as like certain healthy food in that area is just by like um, making them seem like otherness or foreignness and sure, orientalism yeah. and okay uh you see like um avocado and like edamame or maybe just mm-hmm. edamame like it's so popular among vegan is because like they promote edamame like um japanese eat edamame all day so that's why they're so skinny and that's why wow. they're so healthy and that's why they have a longer like life expense so yeah mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was interesting to consider the relationship between like certain ethnic foods and like healthy trends and like orientalism about like potentiality or whatever and like chinese japanese food i don't think it's the potentiality in like the food specifically it's just that those cultures have had a bigger influence on our markets you know we have done a considerable amount of trade with china japan you know korea there's been lots of television, movies, books, novels that from those areas or about those areas. I mean, like look at Japan also, you know, animes from Japan and there is a huge market in America for it just because mm-hmm. we we like anime. That's not like something that's like, well, it's because it's Japanese, you know, the, the Greeks could have made anime and, you know, we would have liked it. It just happens to be a product that the Japanese people made that Americans bid on, you know? And it's just because of that, there's more exposure to Japanese Chinese food as compared to say Hungarian food right that we're already like oh I know what that is I I've seen you know movies or tv or whatever I've read about that that seems cool I like to do that yes an American anything he knows about Hungarians I I doubt he would know anything so people are going to be less likely to be like oh yeah let's go try out this Hungarian joint you know (laughs) There's actually a lot of the ones I've watched too have been kind of based on vegan dieting trends, which yeah, are exactly. kind of interesting. Like, I don't know if you know about Banana Island. Mm, um, I don't know about that. Okay, so Banana Island is basically when um, like vegan, usually raw vegan creators mm. will eat nothing in a day except banana, but they'll, they can eat as many bananas as they want. So they're just eating like like 30 bananas in a day. It's just a video of just them eating bananas all day. So it's definitely a little bit problematic, but there's a lot of those out there. Oh my God. But like, what's the purpose of these kind of video? Are they promoting veganism by eating bananas? Yeah. Well, a lot of them, like they're, they're raw vegan channels where they're just trying to promote raw veganism in general. And I guess that's one of like the cleanses or something like it's supposed to have like health benefits to it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just one of, I guess, the, the really unhealthy cleanses. That's a little extreme. Yeah. And I also like, I don't think it's like really like nutritious enough to like no. promote like veganism mm-hmm. by just eating bananas all day. It's not yeah. very like, nutritionally like healthy Mm -hmm. well like i'm just thinking about like a ton of videos that i've watched on youtube from like content creators or like i don't know like what i eat in a day is like Mm -hmm. a large portion i would say like sushi sushi they always have sushi in these videos 
Mm -hmm. specifically like avocado rolls avocado or like cucumber (laughs) rolls like very specifically these types of rolls and it's always just like yeah it's just like these like yeah so I eat this today because like this is super healthy like you know like and and they're taking it from this idea that like yes in Japan like people are are generally like slimmer Mm -hmm. and so they they take that idea and like I don't know they just they connect it to like oh well they they eat sushi so this means that I'm being healthy. Yeah, but and this is healthy. Yeah, avocado roll. Yeah, yeah. This is really interesting because like avocado rolls is not a thing in East Asia. Yeah, and that's, I would the say appropriation exactly. It's not even like uh, yeah. rooted in any like I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not. It's not even the the real the real food let's say like it's, it's just it's like an not, appreciation yeah. yeah it's not an authentic like Japanese role and that's like really interesting that's definitely something that like I'd want to learn more about myself because like I'm not gonna lie like I I, I love avocado not because not because Me too. Like, yeah <laughs> like not because it's a health food I just I just genuinely <laughs> love avocado it just tastes good you know yeah <laughs> And it tastes like, good I'm in, a fan in of basically everything. They taste good in smoothie. They taste good in like sushi, and yeah. they taste good in like basically everything. They taste good in wraps. Yeah, yeah. I'm being like really problematic by consuming too much, too many avocados. <laughs> <laughs> this is problematic. I'm a I'm, bad I'm person. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm also bad in that case. Yeah. <laughs> How do you read the relations between food and multiculturalism in this regard? Well, multiculturalism is just, you know, the combination of many different cultures to one place, right? And, you know, it's seen all around the world, but here in America, you know, during the 18th, 19th century, we had a huge, giant amount of influx of immigrants from all over the world, you know, lots of people left their home countries, whether it be for, you know, because they felt like they had limited rights, they had maybe disputes, they thought they were, you know, just second class citizens, whatever it might be, their reasons, maybe try and make money, you know, they came to, you know, like America, South, North America, especially on the United States. And um, just because of that, multiculturalism has influenced food, just because different cultures come and they, you know, they cook together. Like look at Tex-Mex, for example, if you don't know what that is, Tex-Mex is like a combination of like Mexican and American food, you know, because we're right there next to them. Right. And so, you know, like if you've seen a Taco Bell taco or Del Taco taco, you know, like a hard shell taco. <laughs> taco Bell is, is just so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just so that, shitty. Yeah, I know. But like I said, um, a lot of people call that Mexican food, but it's not. That's Tex-Mex. You know, it's a little bit of a combination because yeah, people are used to eating their own diets and foods. And so they don't want to like always eat something that's from another country necessarily, right? And so there's a bit of that multiculturalism. They combine things. They make stuff more here. They would say Americanized, but really when they're saying Americanized, they just mean multiculturalized because they're combining different, you know, cooking methods and stuff to make something that kind of meets in the middle where you know someone could say oh yeah you know this is similar to you know x and someone else is like oh yeah it's also similar to y you know it's mm-hmm. it's just kind of mixed and you know just foods evolve and change based on cultures com- 
colliding. And, you know, that's been happening a lot recently, just in the age of, you know, the internet globalization, just everyone is so integrated, you know, so things change rapidly now. And people get to take food that's, or they use products that would never exist in, you know, say England, and then they make an English food using products from say Asia, right? I mean, we've, we've seen that since like, the 12th century, you know, like there's the Silk Road, we're taking spices from over there, right? Mm -hmm. All those spices were used in, you know, European foods, that was already a form of multiculturalism, because they would never have had those spices in their foods, their foods would have never developed those recipes had they not been making trade with other countries. And when you have multiculturalism happening, you're not having to just trade with another country, you may be friends with someone who's from another country and you're just right there. So imagine just how much the um, impact on multiculturalism and food has when, you know, you're just that integrated. And also I think it's interesting because you mentioned um, how they ignore the fact that certain like healthy foods and their origins, I think it brings us back to the uh, idea of colonialism because like if they mm -hmm. ignore the fact that these foods are imported from else from somewhere else to North America they could just hide the fact that there's like this cheap labor in that area and yeah. they are going to have to work really hard to like provide this food to the other mm -hmm. like consumers and and the fact that um we are like over consuming these certain foods for sure. And I, but it's so weird too, because at the same time, I feel like people have kind of become desensitized to that. Because I know, mm -hmm. like, I feel like it's kind of general, not like everyone kind of knows that the production of most coffee isn't mm -hmm. very ethical. And then people mm -hmm. kind of just ignore it. But I mean, it's also like, I feel like so many people will just hear someone talking like we're talking about um the uh, down to earth of zach efron and what shocked mm -hmm. me about that was the fact that they're you know they're going to costa rica and they're finding all these superfoods and they're like oh yeah more americans need to eat these we have to bring this to america more we have to come to costa rica and take these resources from there and it's like are you not hearing how odd that sounds so i think people i don't know to an extent are kind of like if it benefits their health might not be the ethical aspect of it might not always be the first thing that comes to mind so so like yeah do you have like talking about like capitalism i guess i'd be interested to know like how you think that kind of connects i know you have questions for me but i'm super interested in how you think that connects like the mukbang trend mukbang trend because like mm -hmm. like so basically, like in every like mukbang videos and all the cheat day eating videos, they consume mm -hmm. a huge amount of food yeah. in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that's basically just a waste of food, a waste of resources, right? For sure, yeah. And that's also like that's also a reflection of capitalism, in my opinion. And also like um, the the idea of using these like videos to promote certain like brands because like often they're sponsored by certain like fruit brands and or restaurant or certain food oh, and yeah. yeah so I think that's also a reflection of that capitalism and also the mm -hmm. fact that 
they use the idea of like eating to just promote their themselves like promote themselves as influencers or to reach more audiences just because some mm-hmm. people are just interested in like watching people to eat such a huge amount of food yeah mm-hmm. and i i just thought that this is just very like problematic and very like a, a just a very authentic reflection of um maybe consumerism and capitalism yeah what's your opinion yeah. about it i mean okay this is like a second hand opinion but it's something that interesting that i saw in that video it, it was the kind of the idea that how people react to the videos like why they consume them and one of them was that people are like oh i feel like i'm eating through these videos i feel yeah. like i'm getting more full which was super interesting to me because i find that well because obviously that kind of also fits into the whole diet culture also mm-hmm. kind of like talking about like overeating undereating like ways to like curb hunger so i always thought that was um kind of an interesting aspect of it um but definitely i guess the idea of like eating because i guess if you're also trying to get recognized on the platform um you kind of have to do more and more shocking things to get noticed or just exactly so much more so that kind of just plays into this whole dangerous system there so i think that's yeah yeah that's a very good point and thanks for bringing up the the comment sections i mean like yeah i also realized that there are often like two different kinds of like comments like mm-hmm. or reactions for for this videos like one of the groups are like oh i feel like i'm eating by watching these videos and the mm-hmm. other group of like commenters were like um I feel like these videos are really triggering and now I want to binge eating again. Well, what comes to mind because I, I'm Italian, so I'm, I was just thinking about kind of like what I eat in, in Italy versus here, like when I visit my family and like a huge, mm-hmm. like in Canada or like even just, I would say like North America, Nutella is huge. Like it's mm-hmm. like huge, huge, huge. And in Italy, like it's more so this this product, like I don't know exactly the history, but it's it's this product called Nocciola. And it's basically mm-hmm. a, a hazelnut spread, but like Nutella kind of like overpowered this, uh-huh. this, like, this product that like is native to Italy. And that's like, I guess, like the origin of Nutella. It's it's called Nocciola. And it's just like you you have it for breakfast. You put it on a like a little biscuit, like a biscotti in the morning, and like that. That's really primarily what they eat. Even when I would visit my my like family in Italy um, for breakfast, they wouldn't have Nutella. They would have this this spread that's native. Like it's it comes from Italy. But it's just interesting because even now in Italy, to like even to I guess like market to tourists, it's mm-hmm. it's they market nu- Nutella instead of nocciola. 